say, they say we should have known better than to fall so deep down, deep down into this rabbit hole. Get we found. ready. It's time again to venture down the rabbit hole into the world of cybersecurity. You're plugged into the podcast for security leaders and practitioners with a business sense. Prepare for unique interviews, insights, and practical advice that makes your job just a bit easier. And now, please welcome your guides on this adventure, James Jardine and the White Rabbit, Rafalos. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome down the security rabbit hole to yet another edition of the fabulous, wonderful Down the Security <laughs> Rabbit Hole podcast. Feeling a little giddy this morning. Uh, recording this on a relatively early morning, although it's probably not so early in our guest's time zone, but that's all right. That's how we roll. Um, James, good morning. I like your shirt. Good morning. Thanks. As we were talking about before, like these are all the shirts I own, so... This this is what people see. <laughs> at least at least you're probably wearing pants. I am. Yes, I did. You know, I, I do wear. Well, I'm wearing shorts, but you know, same thing. Uh-oh. Oh man, what happened? He disappeared. Pants he joke gone. really offended him. He was out. <laughs> he went to go put Where'd pants go? on. <laughs> he decided. I think our guest decided. Like, okay, well, pants. Nope, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't love that. <laughs> That's you didn't list that as a requirement, Rap. Francesco, did you not, were you not wearing pants? Is that why you decided to bomb out? You're like, nope, I can't do this. <laughs> the fuck is at this shit? <laughs> He's, out. He's out. All right. Um, no, all right. So, um, unfortunately, not. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Just froze and said, "Like, no, nah. I didn't like James." <laughs> Uh, well, uh, ho- hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully that doesn't happen. All right, um, folks, a-, a show loosely focused on AppSec because we're kind of on an AppSec kick lately, um, and we-, we have we have varying degrees of of uh, relatability here. Uh, I've been out of that space for like a-, a minute. James and these two these two still live in it. So uh, let- let's see what happens. All right, first let's welcome the guest. Uh, Francesco, I can't pronounce your last name, so you're going gonna to pronounce it for me and tell me what you do. Cipollone, and everybody call me Frank for friends. So just uh, keep it Frank. Keep it Frank. Keep it frank. I... Let's <laughs> be Frank. He needs T-shirts that say that. Keep it Frank. Let's keep it like, Frank. I love it. That's a great slogan. I need to do that should be your newsletter title. That that should be absolutely. All right, tell us what you do. I, I will. Anyway, um, I've been in AppSec. I've been an ex-dev in CloudSec, in infrastructure sec. I've, I've, I've seen it and done it all from a vendor perspective, from cloud provider perspective, from a finance perspective. I've probably touched most of the finance organization here in England. And doing AppSec has been fun during the nice part of transformation during cloud. So I've, I've seen, yeah, especially when you need to do AppSec on mainframe and you still have COBOL and you still need to chase the, the, the random wow. person that, they, that, that holds the house of cards that is the financial wow. um, institution of the UK. But so let's not make comment around that, but it's super secure. <laughs> are, 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 I, because now I need to know, are there actually... Are are there still are are there appsec people for for COBOL and mainframe uh, applications? There aren't appsec as such because the the, the, the 
the code is secure by default. Nobody can, can write it, so nobody can write exploit. Right. But there well, are actually yeah. logical faults that are actually uh, higher in the threat modeling from our perspective and trying to find people. So uh, it was an interesting thing. And I've seen interesting projects of trying to make cloud on mainframe, <laughs> trying to reuse and trying to run VM on mainframes. Because, you know, we still have a lot of mainframe kicking around, so why not reusing that? Okay. Uh, I feel like that's a terrible... So I was a part of a... This is a total sidebar, but so I was a part of a project, yikes, uh, 2004, I think, where we... uh, Working for a large global company where we had... um, We had credit card information and such about our customers stored in exactly those types of systems, right? Lots of mainframe applications. Uh. And to make it, uh, and I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud because somebody's going to, somebody should punch me, but to make it more, uh, friendly and accessible, we put a web front end on it. <laughs> Try to make React and Angular work with mainframe <laughs> and still procedures. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I don't, I, <laughs> so. Well, like the spec for that came down, right? And it was like a you know a, a, the uh, discovery call meeting for an architecture on uh, improving the usability of the uh, customer success customer service platform, and and it was like, hey, we're putting a web front end on this. I remember getting the email, and it was like right around I think April or something. And the first thing I thought was, this is going to be funny. People are going to show up in this meeting, and somebody's going to go, April Fools. And about a half hour into the meeting, I'm looking around going, oh, my God. Nobody showed a joke. <laughs> this is not a joke. This is, like, this, this is real. This is happening. But what this is were the problem we- with AppSec. And, and um, just to conclude the, 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 the profile, um, I went out of this madness a few years ago. I decided to actually embark on a journey to actually make sense out of AppSec and found that uh, Phoenix Security, old name was AppSec Phoenix. But this is the madness that we, we're facing right now, where as soon as you develop an API, as soon as you develop something, don't touch it, especially if it works and it's been working for five years. Like even for Netflix, how long did it take them to convert from monolith to microservice? And only because they were really choking on it. Anyway, bit of a rant. Yeah. No, and look, this is a this is a spa- safe space, Frank. You can rant here. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Say whatever you want. Nobody will hear it. I think I think in AppSec <laughs> Whoa, we have I think we have specific forum where we do psychology session or ranting session and venting session because as a as an AppSec people we see we see interesting stuff. I, I tell you what, man, I like everyone is like every other episode that we record is a bit a little bit of therapy. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we go, you know, James, we've recorded some recently where I, I feel at the end of it I was like, all right. I feel a little bit less bad about my life choices. <laughs> All right. So yeah, optic is an interesting field. It is. All right. So let's start there. Um, w- tell us, tell me what you do now, because uh, you've got the cool shirt uh, for those people that are not watching that are listening, describe it and tell, you know, tell me what you, what you're doing. Smart application secured. What the hell is that? <laughs> so, um, First of all, the logo. So the logo is a phoenix because we, we believed originally on the reburn of DevSecOps on the methodology on how to involve business and business people together with upset people, together with cloud set people and bringing them all across one single layer because 
all of a sudden they were all segmented all together. But you know, the way we develop applications right now is a monolithic, is a full stack application. And we spend probably tons and tons of time as security people trying to kind of marry up development people where we try to do a lot of stuff in my past life on trying to make life of developer easier, trying to identify triage and screen down really to the minimal set of vulnerability that really matters. And then they didn't have the right to actually fix it because it was developed new feature, new feature, new feature, and security was always put out. Um, so we developed a methodology back in the days and then made it into a product to actually involve the business and convert all this discussion around vulnerability and risk-based contextual vulnerability. I believe it's a lot of fluffy work, but it's really take what you're building, where you're building, and actually calculate the real risk on your business risk. And then talk to business people, ask them where you want to be from a risk perspective, and giving to developer the things that they need to execute to meet their boss target. And that's a, from a, a scale perspective that really worked really well in several ways. So we said it worked so well that we made it into a product. <laughs> Hence I, the I Phoenix. Think- yeah. Okay. Fine. Uh, I'm going to start with James. Knows where I'm starting right now. Uh, I, you, you said DevSecOps. You want to try that again? What, what, what is DevSecOps? Because I know of DevOps, and and everything else is BS. I don't think it's BS. I think it's a it's a good philosophy. It's been it's been muddied in the water. I believe with DevSecOps equals shift left equal just let's throw ah. some. Hold on, hold on. There is, there is, there is, there is an end to it. Um, there is still being thrown in in um, in a development lifecycle, in a development pipeline. There is just scanning stuff, and that's how a really good philosophy of collaboration of removing gates for developers has become. Let's just scan everything, and let's just give developer a bunch of stuff to fix. Yeah, so that so welcome to 1999 through 2010. But but so I have a slightly different problem than, than you, the one you're you're uh, addressing. I my problem with the whole DevSecOps thing is the point. Like maybe maybe it's because I'm old and I've done this for so long that I just don't care anymore. But it it seems like the point of DevSecOps is to, to show, show up. And say, hey guys, security is relevant. Like, look at me. We're separate from you guys. And it's just DevOps. Security should be built, like we've been saying this for 20 years. It should be built into the process. Why are we giving it its own name? It's just DevOps. Development and operations. If security is a separate, like it's the second step in that, we're back to waterfall and, and test. Let me ask you security. a question. Let me ask you a question. How many upset people are actually developers? Or have any knowledge about what development means? Okay, this is this is going in a good direction, James. You want to, you want to address that because <laughs> that's one for you. Well, I mean, I would say today a bigger majority of them have developer backgrounds than they did, you know, ten years ago, uh, fifteen years ago, right? I mean, when I first started doing, nobody had it. Now, I, a lot of the people I see, you know, now have dev backgrounds versus the old days, right? Back when we were test yourself secure, very few people had a dev background. Now we're yeah. starting to so, see more people come with engineering I backgrounds. I didn't have a dev background. Yeah, right? I mean, well, that was, you know, you were back in the Stone Age raft before. I was. Yeah. 
I, I, I rode my I rode my foot powered car to the drive in with with uh, with Barney and Wilma. I did that. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, ba- back then, application security just meant <laughs> pen testing. That's what yes. application security meant, right? And now that we've come along, and now we've got application security, product security, DevSecOps, you, you name it. Now all of a sudden, we've got a lot more people that now require even pen testing companies. A lot of them will require that you have some sort of dev background. Because they want to get past the, just tell me outputting code, and they want to be able to say, I want you to give valid solutions, stuff that's much more targeted. So, you know, I, I don't know what percentage have back, dev backgrounds now, but it's definitely way more than it used to be. Okay, you're on the positive side. I'm, I'm probably more on the negative side because <laughs> we have enough shortage of upset people that we just throw everybody in the role and... If you have never done code, you don't understand how a sprint works, how agile works, how DevOps works, how the objective of actually a software uh, product is actually going fast to production. And if you marry up that philosophy, you actually get out of the way of developer, just giving them what they need to do sprint by sprint, not just telling them, this is the SLA, fix everything, please, by next week. Right? So, so then what you described is DevOps, not DevSecOps. Exactly. And that's exactly my point. I don't think the word SEC, the, those three letters should be in DevOps. It's just DevOps. Because like- I've heard, hold on, I've heard Sec DevOps, I've heard DevSecOps, I've heard DevOps Sec, I've heard the, the Secure DevOps. All of that is absolute nonsense because it's just DevOps because security should be part of the process, not a separate standalone piece. And I've been fighting that since the early 2000s and it clearly hasn't worked. And that's why I like DevSecOps, because it, it mentions SEC. It's, it mentioned that as part of the OKR, as, well, the problem is, what do you call a bug? What do you call a bug or a, or a defect? It's usually a, a, a software defect. It's not a security defect. And that's how it should be. Like, we should, we should make them equivalent, and then I'm with you on calling it just DevOps. But until we put OKR... We and, no, we haven't. Because security James, is still a you dog. promised you promised this is this was happening. <laughs> this is, it is it is, it but is I would changing. agree with you, right? Like, listen, a, a bug is a bug is a bug. I have that from one of my presentations from ten years ago, right? But we still separate things out. Let, at least we're starting to get to the point where more places are actually storing security bugs with regular bugs in the same system. There we go. Like we're mm-hmm. we're finally swinging around to that, but. You know, there's still a lot of separation, and that you know, a lot of that though is caused by the security industry saying, "I want to keep it separate," kind of like the DevSecOps thing. I want to keep it separate. I want to keep it separate, while saying I want to make it embedded. So, I mean, I, Raph, you know, I'm with you. I don't like the DevSecOps thing. One, because yeah. nobody can define what it is. Ask five different people; they'll give you five different definitions <laughs> for what DevSecOps is. Some people say it's just, you know, they're the ones integrating security tools into the DevOps pipeline. Like that seems silly. That's a DevOps thing. Other people say it's a culture shift. I hate the culture shifts, Uh, you know, but like everybody has something different. Other people basically describe it as a secure SDLC, which I always hated that we had a secure SDLC and an SDLC. Just make it the SDLC and put security in it. Yeah, why is there, that's the thing. Why does there have to be a secure SDLC? Why can't- Because somebody created SSDLC policies and then hence you need an SSDLC that is different from an SDLC. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is everything that's wrong. This is the reason we are standing where we are today in the world of complete and utter nonsensical chaos and why we don't have nice things is because- 
we keep finding new and exciting ways to have to be different, to have to be another step, another silo, another new thing. And in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, so 20 now, so this is 2014, 2015, like before that, 2000, yeah, 2008 to 2014 or so. I, I worked for HP. I sold AppSec kit. Like that's what I did. Right. And I, and I, I gave talks on it. I, I did plenty of work on it, not having been a developer in a background, from a background perspective, but from a pen testers perspective, the dynamic side, nice and easy for me to describe. I can show it to you. I can do it. I can show you the results and they go, great. Show me how to fix it. I go, I don't know. That's somebody else's job. I got good at it. It was the wrong approach. Guilty as charged. However, Right. Even back then, as James probably point, you know, pointed out, like, hey, listen, I've got slide decks on SlideShare that go back as, at least that far that say there are three types of defects, performance, functionality and security. They're all just defects in your bug classification, in your bug system. Why does security need its own sec- uh, bug tracking system? I don't get it. Talk to me and explain that to me because like, like I'm a two-year-old moron because I just don't get it. And I spent enough time in it to read, to find the answer to that. Right. So I got on, a, I got on this quest because I wanted to know why the hell it was so hard. And it turns <laughs> out the reason for that is I can give you for performance, right? For performance bugs. I can tell you what the specifications are, range of, of what performance means. X many users simultaneously with this much deviation, with this much, like this is how fast it should respond. And you can test for that. I can automate the hell out of it. It's been automated since like 2000, right? When Mercury did it and then and, and HP bought them, blah, blah, blah. And then there was uh, uh, functional testing. Does it do X when I press button Y? Yes. Check, right? All those things. Now here comes security. Like, okay, now all those things, do the opposite of all of those. And does the opposite thing happen? And people are like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, so if you push this button, can it, can you make it do something that's not in any spec? Just be creative. And mm-hmm. the developers and the, the, and the functional testers and the performance mm-hmm. testers would look at us and go, I don't, I don't get it. No. What do you, what do you, what, what's the script? What do you want me, like, what do you want me to test for? And we'd say, oh no, that's not how security works. Security is all the things that are not in this spec. And they look at you like you're completely mad. And that's how we got to security is separate. How do we undo that? I guess you're right. Like there, there are so many permutations, and yet you find another one that find the error. Um, but on the opposite side, there've been with OWASP a lot of effort on ASPS, on security script, on security default that we try to create at least a bunch of cases because that's where pen testing is good. Like identifying the the needle in the haystack, the stuff that you miss. If you identify, I don't know, cross-site scripting or an injection on on a form field with a bug bounty or with a pen test, you should be sent to prison, (laughs) to opposite prison. (laughs) Dude, everybody would be in prison. This is like, (laughs) Gitmo would be full, okay? (laughs) Well, you know, a lot of that stuff, though, Raph, that you're talking about doesn't have a wide open landscape of opportunity for it, right? I mean, you talk about XXE as an example, right? XML, external entity injections. That is very simple, right? It's very straightforward to tell a developer if you don't need any type of DDTs in your system, like make sure that this is disabled during parsing. Like that's it. There is, you can test for it. I can give you a test file that has a simple 
entity described, run through it, make sure that that doesn't parse it, like make sure it acts like you want it to act. But we can know whether that parser is enabled or disabled. We can know if we're using parameterized SQL statements versus not parameterized SQL statements, right? So for the 95%, it's not a, oh, I have to come up with some weird out of the order. That's what your bug bounty program is for. That's what your pen testers are for. Mm -hmm. But for the development side and even QA testing, I always say, why? Let QA test. They can test. You can put a single quote into a field and tell me if there's simple SQL injection right there. I'm not asking you to do blind SQL injection and come up with like the craziest 5,000 character injection to say, ha, I beat your, your SQL. No, but we should, they, there should be a baseline that we could do this. Cross-site scripting. Did you output in code or using a framework that output in code? I don't have to think of, well, I could do this and this and this to try to bypass. Like, don't worry about it. And for the majority of vulnerabilities, you can come up with something very straightforward to have them code against that the only thing you're now risking is the 5% outliers that you have the security teams there to help pick up against. But a majority of this stuff, you can easily say, don't do this or do it this way. Yes. And you're going to cover but then most on the On the opposite side, now we've been so accustomed to testing with security tool that there is a whole range of regulation that is relying on CVE, CVSS of a certain score. So you can be as clever as you want, but if you want to pass, you know, any federal government organization, you need to fix everything that is critical, medium, and possibly low in time and X, Y, and Z. And now it's written inside policy. And now we have the whole spawn that is fundamentally just generating artifact that is very good on a principle, but in a very small use case and not usable at all. So I think we've built enough regulation to actually never be able to do DevOps. <laughs> and to be back at SEC and DevOps. Maybe it's going well, to change. I think, you know, I think there's the, the key too, right? You have to be able to distinguish tech debt versus new development too, mm -hmm. right? New development, I can sit there and say, hey, you, you're putting output out to the browser. You need to encode that. Like you're not pushing unless you encode. Like that should just be the way. I don't care where the data came from. You know, you need to encode it. You're writing a SQL query. It needs to be protected against SQL. You're using an XML parser. It needs to disable DDD processing. Like we can push that in new stuff, right? And say, hey, look, you can't push anything out unless you're doing this. But then you have the other side of it, which is really more the vulnerability management side, right? Of, wow, I just scanned my 10-year-old application and I've got all this tech debt. Now, how do I go back and start approaching that? Like there's two different things that we have to handle within the development realm when it comes to the application security side. But even, even in that case, um, identifying something at runtime that is the best, well, or when you code or, or as soon as you identify, first of all, it doesn't capture everything because there might be something that pops up at a specific point in time. Look at Log4j, look at Spring4Shell, look at any other kind of superstar vulnerability that we had out there that, that pops up in operation. So, Vulnerability management is still pretty much uh, dead left and center. And also identifying things immediately, you know, you're able to jump immediately on something, but maybe you don't have time. Maybe you don't have time to triage. Maybe, maybe you don't even need to care because that piece of code is not even reachable. Like there is a whole lot of triaging that could say, like, I'm going to ignore this stuff. 
And that's a little yeah. bit my rant against fixing everything immediately as soon as it pops up. Yeah, it's faster, but you may be just doing a lot of legwork for fixing stuff that it doesn't really matter. Well, and and hearing you guys, and I'm, tr- I'm trying to formulate thoughts here because this just this just triggers all kinds of old conversations coming back. And I remember the days of spy dynamics, right? Those, those, that, those brilliant bastards from Georgia tech that had their act together. Um, they created a tool uh, and dev inspect, I think it was, yeah, it was dev inspect. And it, it was the first time anything would had plugged in directly into the IDE. Uh, so like rad rational application developer, and it would, for example, uh, compile, so it would do a static analysis of the app and then it would like compile it inside in, in your, in your ID and then effectively do a, a modified, uh, functional, uh, you know, like a, like a dynamic test against it. Nobody would ever tried that before. Now, a million it's reasons slow. why it's <laughs> it's super, super slow. slow, super slow, but at the, but the idea was let's try it on small chunks of code mm-hmm. before we put it all together. Look in 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 uh, two thousand and nine, two thousand and eight. Uh, this was a fan like it was so far as a fantasy. It was so far ahead of its time. I don't know if we can actually do that today effectively with all the different uh, uh, IDEs Language and all the different and compiling tools and all that. Yeah, and so, but that's the right idea because. At that point, we were truly empowering developers to actually do the the security uh, testing before the project was all put together, before it was packaged, tested, functional and performance tested, shipped down the line. And then because what ended up happening was – so the company I had worked for previously, I worked at General Electric and I was, I was building their AppSite program there. And – it, it, inevitably, it all went the same way. Seven to eight months of work had been done. Okay, scoping. Uh, you know, the 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 the, the uh, offshore team had been selected. Uh, functionality defined, requirements defined. Blah 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 blah. Eight months later, security would hear about it because they were almost done, and they would quote need to get security tested. And I'm going. This is this is and, and every single time I'm thinking to myself, this is going to fail. It's going to fail horrifically. And I kept using the analogy of like the train yard, right? Mm-hmm. And the train on the track. So the train is being assembled. They're trying to figure out this is the load it needs to carry. It needs to go from here to here. This is how long the train's going to be. I need to pick a conductor. I need to pick a track. I need to pick a, a, a route, all that stuff. And then all that happens, right? And there start, then the train starts to pull out of the yard because it needs to be, it, it needs to cross that out, out of the yard line at like 10, 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. And they're like, hey, uh, security, just double check that everything's okay. Right. And so I'm standing at the edge of the train yard going, wait, wait, I need you to stop. I need you to stop. I need like a week. And what happens is the train just goes squish and just keeps running right over me and nobody cares. I feel that's, like that's, that that's hasn't what we narrated. No, that, that's what we narrate. Well, first of all, because security is not a business requirement, because it's not written in regulation on one end. So you'll never, as a business, I always try to do 
the fastest work in the minimum amount of spending that I can. And if I can get away with it, I will get away with it. Unless it breaks, unless there is like regulation or unless there is damage. And that start changing right now with, you know, both being more accountable. But, uh, we've done an, a study with an organization I can't mention around most of the Fortune 500 CISO in the U, in the US. AppSec, they didn't even know what the heck was it, like as a word. Oh, and and eighty percent of them didn't. Yeah, <laughs> just as a global knowledge, like secure coding or, or, or the security of my application, how important that pen test they know, because we hammered it in regulation, it needs to happen. But AppSec, we don't even know. So the first, I think, attempt was from the U.S. government right now on on trying to embed this concept of application security. But then, from a market perspective, what we've done, just scan everything. Yeah. Well, it doesn't help that we're not we're not focusing on the people that build applications, right? All this regulation, all that stuff focuses on CISO. It focuses on the security side of the house. When we talk about these different things, right, we talk about them at security conferences that developers don't go to, QA testers don't go to. I mean, I still talk to people like, hey, we're doing a pen test of your app. Like, what's a pen test? You know, like, well, how's Q-Con, that work? I start seeing QCon and a few other, secu- well, developer conference where there is a security track. So I think things started changing because I think finally after 10 years of OWASP, developer has started getting used to the concept of security being part. But business still doesn't embed security OKR inside the objective of each developer. And if it's not important for your boss, why the heck is it going to be important for you? Right. Oh, and that's what I'm saying, right? I mean, everything is still focused. Like we sell security to security. Right. Rarely do you see vendors selling security out to the business side or the development side of the house. I mean, even I like selling security training. Right. It's it's hard to sell to the development side of the house. You most of the time you're still stuck going through the security side is cramming training down into the development side. Right. So as we start making that merge and we're starting to see this change. I mean, there is a change. You're starting to see more stuff going through the IT side. But that's that change that we need to say, hey, we need this stuff in here. Otherwise, it's not going to work. But if we keep just going down the, it's the CISO and security side of the house's job, then the business side will never, like you're saying, take it up and say, oh, wow, we have to do this. Like, oh, no, security will handle this. But the challenge is as well, and this I face it myself, and I've been hitting my head on the wall over and over and over. I kept on talking with CIO and rest of the board in terms of vulnerability. Like when you launch a vulnerability program, you say, well, we fix 50 vulnerability. Is it good? Is it bad? We found 40 million vulnerability. We keep on talking with this term and anybody that is a little bit above a, a product owner doesn't have a, a bloody clue of what the heck are we talking about? Um, that's why I hammer so much about risk because when you start talking about risk and then you can have all the nuances about risk instead of severity, instead of vulnerability, you start empowering business side to actually understand you actually carry all this risk and it triggers something in their head instead of like, yeah, you have tons of critical vulnerability. Do, and I, and I, and I mean this with all the love in my heart, do we actually know what the hell the word risk means in this industry? No. And, 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 I, and, no, and I, I'm not meaning that to be joking, but like, to quote one of my favorite movies of all time, they, we keep using that word, but I do not think it means what we think it means. <laughs> right. Um, I've seen, I've seen risk registers. I've seen, 
And, and don't get me wrong. There's a million people out there to do it phenomenally and they do it well and they understand it. And there's different models and all models are wrong, except some of them are useful. And there, there's a number of ways to, to talk about risk. Um, there's, there's financial, there's reputational, there's legal, there's operational, there's strategic, there's all kinds of risk. Um, sometimes we make up like security risk, which is not a thing. Um, right. And, and, and that's where I think this is, this comes back full circle to my comment about DevSecOps is it, I feel like security hasn't got like, we're such a young space. Like we've only been around relatively young yeah. compared to how long legal has been around to how, how long other things have been around. And so we look at it and go, well, well we have to be special. Like we have to, you know, we, we have to have our own language and we have to have, we have to be separate. And I think that's what, honestly, I think that's what did us in from the very, like from the start of the gun on those blocks, that's what did us in because we looked at development and said, those idiots don't know what they're doing. We're going to create our own little thing over here and we're going to make fun of them and tell them how dumb they are and how easily we can break all their stuff. And then uh, it like three decades later, we like we're still paying for those sins because it didn't start with a okay l- let's let's have a meaningful conversation about what the what functionality means and how you can go from this is what it's supposed to do and everything else is a do not do right to like oh this is what it's supposed to do and i can try all these other things and then people will go well <laughs> i'll test for i'll test for those things and then we'd come back and go, yeah, but there's other things. They're like, well, show me the other things. And we'd show them the other things and be like, oh, well, we can test for those too. Okay, those are not there anymore. Like, great. Here's 7,000 new things I didn't tell you about yesterday. And tomorrow there'll be 9,000 new ones. And they're like, this is stupid. I'm on a hamster wheel that never ends. I, you, you can't possibly expect me to do this. This is too hard. Hands up in the air. We're done. And that's it. That's how we've gotten here. And I, and I know we've gonna, we can have this argument like up and down the, uh, for, for days about whether um, – software shift left shift right shift smart shift stupid whatever it is right devsecops sec devops devops sec 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 dev sec dev, duck duck goose whatever okay and i get it like everybody wants to have their own thing everybody wants to have a gartner magic quadrant that puts them in the top right hand corner and have the tool that makes you know that makes them a, a bajillionaire that they can buy their island uh next to bezos and whatnot but can we just solve a problem because the problem is actually really hard. And the problem it, it is really begins, hard. Right? And it begins with functionality. How do you design something so it only does the things you tell it to and not the entire space of everything else that it could possibly do? Let me disagree there. I don't think it's it's even more complicated okay. than that. I think there is that aspect. Okay. That, that aspect that is at the beginning of the process functionality, that was the original shift left meaning. There is a testing at runtime and testing when you develop. Like there is several nuances and then there is the whole runtime and operation uh, part of the shop. That is how you build modern application right now. And then there is cloud. And we can't expect those to have a developer expert in all those fields. That's why we are, we have this special thing around security. Because sure. building technology is hard and pretending that everybody knows about security around several areas when even a security professional doesn't or is a unicorn, it's it's 
probably impossible. So security testing is here to stay, but bringing, as you said, security development requirement at the beginning of the process, testing at specific time of the process and managing this whole thing, calling it SDLC with security embedded. I'm probably going to mention it just, and I'm going to specify like that. Um, so at least we don't call it as SDLC. But it's, it's a whole process that is designed around this. And at the same time, all of this can be converted into risk because all of these problems that we identify at various stages can be contextualized on where they are, can have a probability of exploitation, a probability of reachability, and all of that can be converted in risk because that's how it is risk. How much is going to impact, how bad it is, and what is the likelihood. And it's these three simple things that we try to modify and convert in, 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 a, in a behemoth. Like if you look at FAIR, FAIR has, is fantastic, but has constituted a behemoth that nobody will ever implement. And there are elements of FAIR that are really good. Anyway, long story short. So I think short, the key, I, I think the key thing missing, yeah, well, I think also the key thing we're missing from risk, right? We talk about the key things that we s- typically see, but is that knowledge of the business. Because when we think about risk, I mean, yeah. it's what is the risk to the business? Sure, somebody popped that database server, but what is that risk to the actual business? Sure, yeah, there's that, this that vulnerability. Database. What is the that, risk? That database is the cafeteria database. And who cares? <laughs> Right. Yeah. So how many Uh, people, even in security, like how many testers out there in security look at something and say, oh, I gained access to your database immediately. This is a critical, like stop all services, shut the whole thing down. And then somebody's like, yeah, that's just, you know, the bathroom log. Nobody cares. Right. Like we we don't understand. I'll give you a real example. We had a website that hosted like brochure web stuff and we had tons of bug banter that says, Ooh, I can find your username. Yeah, that's a functionality that we have. Can you do something with that username? And yeah, no, because you have MFA, you have this control. And okay, let's assume you can even bypass that. Here's my MFA. Can you deface something around that website? No, I really can't. Yeah, because it's brochure web, it's plain stuff. So I think we have the problem of Backbunting and pen test that says everything that can reach is bad. And we have regulation that says everything that somebody tests is bad. And we have really hard time to explain to an auditor that actually something I don't really care because I can't do anything with that. A SQL injection on something that doesn't have SQL behind <laughs> or public information. Why do I care? Like that's the stuff that get developer, I think, exhausted. And James, I think building the business concept, the, the concept of how important it is this stuff and, and baking it into risk. I mean, it's not rocket science. And this is what we do, basically. This is the trying to explain risk to the business and let them express an opinion with uh, all these can, factors. Can, I think can, that can one I, of the, can I, Hold on. Can I, can I completely blow up what you're, what you're just saying? Because <laughs> you're like, oh, it's just a cafeteria <laughs> database. What's the big deal? And I can tell you, that uh, a couple, several several jobs ago, we had a cafeteria. We had a cafeteria okay. with a with a uh, with a menu system uh, on a on a TV that pulled from a database that was updated daily that somebody hacked, and from there they stole everybody's credit card information out of the POS system. So yeah, okay. it's kind of a big deal, but How it many? only is a big deal if they're connected. How many? Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, but that's that goes back to the point of understanding the business to know, okay, how do these systems connect? 
What does this system actually do? How does it work? This is where I have to take that. Now you go back to, hey, I have a pen test or find something, especially if I have a third party pen test done. They flag something as critical. You can argue with them and say, no, no, that's not really critical. But if they're not willing to change it, okay, now we swing back to regulation side of, oh, I had a pen test that had a critical on it that's really low, but they don't understand our systems. But now I'm beholden to fixing that because they've marked it as such, right? Like, so there's that discrepancy there, I think, that runs in there. And then you had said something earlier about expecting developer, like we can't expect developers to know all this stuff because, oh, all, woe is security. But for the most part, most of what developers, they don't need to know the in-depth stuff. But I will tell you, there are plenty of people in security that don't know anything or they know very little about security. So to, to make broad statements that, oh, security people know so much more about security. I've seen people, they're like, oh, yeah, I'll do a code review on Ruby. Do you know Ruby? No, but I'm a security person. Like, how many people do we have that are just fighting their way through security? I think there's a false narrative of how secure secure is just from that aspect. Because, you know, we we always say there's a shortage. So we're just bringing people in, like, fill the seats. We'll teach them. We'll teach them. There's a big discrepancy of the experience level and knowledge level, even on the security side of the house. <laughs> I'm calling time out because it's 40 minutes and we have been this. This no, can, I, know. I have a feeling if I, don't, if I don't say stop, we're going to we're going to we're going to do this for another hour. All right, Frank, uh, g- give me uh, you, you. You have some familiar familiarity on this on the opposite side of the mic, too. Right. Tell us a little about that. Yeah. So uh, I run a podcast where we talk magic appsec that is called the cybersecurity podcast <laughs> i think you should have, no. i think you should have james on that show because james is all about the magic <laughs> <laughs> i love the magic. you're doing the matrix i think but ah well, the magic's always good <laughs> whatever <laughs> yeah and and then uh with phoenix security we write a lot we do a lot of research and write a lot about appsec and um i talk at any conference that i can put my hands on to actually bring the good spiel about building, bringing the business in, in this AppSec conversation and really bridging the gap between security developers and security. And yeah, maybe the security doesn't know all the stuff, but if it sits down with developer and have a positive discussion around, okay, I don't know Ruby, but maybe I know this principle about security. Maybe we can find a way to actually embed it inside Ruby. Maybe I, I, I love that. Works. I love that you added that because my first, uh, several years at, at, at with as part of OWASP, uh, speaking at OWASP conferences, um, I, I towards the end of, of of that stint, I started asking uh, as I went up uh, in front of the audience, like, "Hey, how many of you guys are security professionals, and how many of you are developers?" And it just hurt my heart how many like one developer in the audience. Everybody else is mm-hmm. like, "Great!" So we're all talking to ourselves, patting ourselves on the back. Good job, boys! You you, you done fantastic. Now go back and talk to yourselves some more. Um, so engaging. <laughs> The actual development community, the the the, the quality and and, and uh, functional assurance community, engaging the business requirements, engaging you know uh, requirements gathering and all that, like that's where it's at. That's where it's going to go. And I I I, I want to be able to automate this because that's the only way that this happens at any reasonable scale. But there are pieces of this that I am not convinced we're going to be able to automate and, and we don't have the people for, and we don't have the time for. So then what? But that's another question for another podcast. Yes. Happy to come back and run the vote. <laughs> How do we automate? Maybe, maybe we'll do the follow up on your show. <laughs> yes. That's a good point. <laughs> 
Oh, That'd man, be this, fun, is right? like a, this is like a CSI crossover event or something going <laughs> That's on. That's right. right. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> CSI AppSec. Oh, sorry. It's, these days it would be like an FBI uh, crossover yeah, event. Say, I don't yeah, think CSI is around yeah, anymore. But is it, CSI's gone? I don't think they, so. they, they, they sparked a new one, I think, in Vegas, but – I don't know. You know, now the thing is oh. they got the FBI, the FBI International, the FBI Most Wanted, and they do like their crossover events. Oh, I, I, I've stopped watching that kind of uh, network TV <laughs> like five years ago. I don't know what's happening anymore. All right. Frank, thanks for being on the show, man. This has been fun. I, I, I Like I said, therapy. This is just therapy. Uh, we yes. just get to rant a little bit. We get to make ourselves feel better. And maybe maybe the listening audience is, uh, is, is uh, pouring their fourth cocktail uh, nodding along with us at uh, whatever time they're listening to, hopefully oh, before, not before breakfast, but uh, <laughs> or I mean, you know, whatever. Like it's okay. Sometimes you just See, sometimes you just need that, right? Sometimes you just need that therapy, right? <laughs> Brown water therapy, as we used to call it. Um, all right, thanks for joining, Frank. Uh, <laughs> James, Rafa. James, thank you so much. James, always, uh, always good therapy with you, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. We should do this daily instead of more randomly. <laughs> If we did this daily, I don't think I'd ever get, ever get any work done. All right, folks, <laughs> thanks for listening. This has been another episode of the Down to Security Rabbit Hole podcast. We encourage you tremendously to go check out our website uh, on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, Down to Security Rabbit Hole podcast has its own page. There's like 1,500 people that are a part of it. Uh, we do live stream some certain episodes. Um, the one with uh, Chris Scanlon uh, from a while ago is well over 2,000 uh, people watched. So uh, that would be a fun one to go check out if you're <laughs> if you're selling stuff, buying stuff, or just into stuff in the cyber world. Um, and then, you know, obviously we have the, uh, the YouTube page where you're probably watching this. Uh, if you're not, you're just listening to this and you're missing out on all the fun that's on the video. And uh, dtsr.buzzsprout.com for everything else. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys another time, another t- place on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. Cue the music and we're done. As we fade out on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole episode, we'd like to encourage you to chat with our hosts and guests using the Twitter hashtag pound DTSR. Please check out the show notes, catch up on any episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. So on behalf of Rafal, James, for now it's goodbye. We'll see you soon on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. 